This is the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast with your hosts, Chris Spear and Andrew Wilkinson. Each week, we'll be speaking with food entrepreneurs and people in the culinary industry. The following episode is one of our COVID Zoom sessions. If you're interested in learning more about our organization dedicated to helping people build and grow their food businesses, look us up on the web at chefswithoutrestaurants.com and .org and on Facebook and Instagram at Chefs Without Restaurants. Now, enjoy the show. This is episode 39 of the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast. On this episode, I speak with Billy from Story on the Pass. Founded during the COVID-19 pandemic, Story on the Pass is aimed at revealing the backstory of a chef through a recipe. Oftentimes, food ignites influential emotions that remind us of childhood memories, significant individuals, or an event that has helped shape the story of a chef. Occasionally, these occurrences can become the catalyst that launches an individual into a culinary career. Story on the Pass is currently in the process of creating a community cookbook. Proceeds will go directly to participating restaurants and restaurant relief programs. I really enjoyed speaking with Billy about this and learning more about his organization and the project that he's working on. He also has a podcast called Story on the Pass, and I'm going to be a guest in the upcoming week or so. So be on the lookout for that, and I'll definitely share links when that becomes available. Thanks to this week's sponsors, Tyler Wright, Danny Spletter, Ron Krieger, Cafe Bueno, Little Fig Bake Shop, Maryland Bakes, and the Savory Spoon Catering Company. If you want to support the show, our Venmo name is C-H-E-F-W-O-R-E-S-T-O-S. If you enjoy the show, have ever received a job through one of our referrals, have been a guest, been given complimentary Chefs Without Restaurants swag, or simply want to help, it would be much appreciated. Feel free to let us know if you have any questions. Thanks so much, and have a great weekend. All right, welcome everyone. This is Chris with the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast, and today I have a guest on. This is Billy from Story on the Pass. Hey, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming on. So I always kind of let everyone do their own intro. Why don't you go ahead and tell everyone a little bit about yourself, um, your background, how it relates to food, and what Story on the Pass is. Yeah, great. Uh, so I, I created Story in the Pass. Uh, actually, it's one month and, and two days. So I'm still, still in the baby and infant phase. And uh, I, I created it in order to tell the story of the chef. So every chef and cook kind of has their own background story of how they got involved with cooking uh, their journey. Everyone kind of has a different journey into how they how they got into the kitchen, how they advanced into the kitchen, and it's just really about showing that story through a recipe. So, a lot of times, like chefs won't get the notoriety, or people won't really get to know them unless they're famous, right? Like the Gordon Ramsays of the world, etc. So, this is kind of like a platform in order to give the voice of the everyday chef, but also since the COVID-19, I'm actually developing a cookbook from the stories. Um, I'm in, I'm creating a community cookbook in Denton. That's my, that's where I'm from. And uh, I live, I'm originally from Chicago, but moved here two years ago. So I created it in order to kind of make a community cookbook tell the story of the chefs in the restaurants, kind of put a uh, human feel to the people who cook your food. 
and the proceeds will go to the Denver restaurants and to the nonprofits uh, organizations within the Denver community. And a little bit about my background. Uh, so in Chicago, I started in the industry um, as actually as like a as a host, and I kind of bounced around. I always like to know the whole you know, what goes on in a restaurant, every kind of facet. So I bounced around from, actually, I started as a security guard, a host, bartending, and eventually kind of led me to see, you know, wonder what's going on in the kitchen. So I staged a couple of days in the kitchen. I loved it. Ended up going to culinary school and worked in the kitchen for about three more years. And then it was about eight years in total. And it was a little, um, got a little worn out, a little, uh, it was just, there's a lot. My my last managing position, I was working about 70 hours a, a week and pay was not great. And it was just a lot of stress. And eventually I, I just decided to call it quits and um, took me down a, a different career path right now. But in a sense, I've always been drawn or the restaurant life and the, the, the culinary scene has always been very close to me. Like my brain has never really shut off. When I go into a restaurant, I'm always thinking, you know, what's the lights, the temperature, the music volumes, how is all that, how does it all incorporate into the dining experience? And you never really quite get away from it, even though I've been away for a little over two years. So is there one definitive thing that prompted this whole story on the pass um, to come about? Um, Well, I guess using my own experience through food. um, So I grew up in a Greek family. So like food was very, it was a big part of family um, festivities, kind of to bring everybody together and share and break, break bread. And I really didn't know the impact of food until my, my grandmother passed. So my grandmother passed, it was right around the holidays and it was actually, it was very abrupt. um, And like, we didn't really see it coming and we were kind of like emptying out the, the house and the refrigerator. And we kind of real. And when we were going through the freezer, we saw, we took out some trays and it had like my sister's name on it. And that really kind of, that really just showed me what the impact of food is. Like a lot of people could say, I love you. Right. In a, in a way, but you know, not a lot of people kind of show it through either like, Oh, are you hungry? Or can, can I feed you? Um, there's other ways to, to, to show that without having to, to express that. So I've always kind of had that bond with food as a, something that can kind of bring everybody together, uh, bring, bring people from all different types of backgrounds and which kind of, which, which ultimately has led me to travel. Um, I've, I've traveled roughly around like 50 different countries, mostly just eating my way through. I just, you know, I find, find a cuisine that I like, I want to go and explore it and, talk to the, talk to the locals, talk to the chefs. And it's just a way to bridge, bridge that gap. Uh, and that, so that's kind of my philosophy within food and just being within the industry, just, you know, there's so many different backgrounds that kind of, that collide within a kitchen and within the restaurant space or in food industry in general. And so it all, it all tied each other together. And then with COVID-19, it was just a, a way of, you know, what could I do to help, you know, my brothers and sisters out? And so that, that was the springboard into what I have today. And I think, you know, chefs can go a couple ways. There's the, 
we're just going to put a lasagna on the menu because people love it. And then there's the, this is the lasagna that my grandmother made, or this is a dish that I created because of X, Y, and Z. And I think you can quite often feel that when you go into a restaurant, you know, sometimes you're going in a place and they're just going through the motions. They're making good food, but it seems like the chef and the cooks aren't necessarily connected to it. And I think when you have this really strong story, whether it is something you grew up with, you know, it's, it's like I'm from new England and my mom had this baked bean recipe, you know, and I just made it the other day. And for me, I get really excited about it. It's a very humble dish, but it was like one of the first things I learned to make. And, you know, that's something that I love to share with customers. It's not the most innovative dish, but for me, when I'm cooking that, I hope that that feeling comes through. And I think, you know, those are some of the things I'm seeing with a lot of these recipes and stories. Yeah, it, it definitely, it shows through when, when you can, you can feel the love within a dish when it has that story or the chef puts in, I think a little bit more effort into it, even if, if they don't really intend to, right. Um, because food, a lot of times can serve as a memory of either, people or events that kind of helped change and formulate, you know, somebody's aspect of, of their life. So having those different experiences and, and being able to share those, yeah, it, it definitely creates a, a memorable experience for both the person eating it and, and the person who's creating it. Well, we've talked a lot on the show before about, you know, it's tough. Is there a way that you can bring in like nostalgia to a guest who you don't know? Right. So for like me, that, dish of beans, there's a feeling associated, but you, you might not have any association with it. So is it a good dish to you if you don't have that? So is there some way you can kind of do that? Or do you have to have a overwhelmingly positive dining experience? And then they're just going to create their own uh, connection with that dish, if you know what I mean? You know, we've also said like, what if you had a reservation at a, a restaurant tonight, and you went to work and you got fired, and you were in a terrible mood, and then you still went to dinner? would that underlying like terrible mood slant your impression of the restaurant and the dining experience? And is there anything as a chef or service staff that you could do to flip that? Or is it at that point, just it's going to be what it's going to be. And those are the kind of things that I think about. Yeah, no, that, that, that's really interesting. And I think too, whenever I think of going to a restaurant, uh, when, when I was working in the industry, you know, you're hosting somebody's evening. So usually it's either, you know, the highlight of somebody's day, you know, cause they're, they're getting to experience something different outside the norms, right. Or it's a celebratory, celebratory evening. So, you know, I think, you know, service in a, in a way can probably help change and, and formulate and hopefully make that experience better for the person, you know, but it's also, it's, I guess it's all, all determined within that, you know, we're all individuals. So it, it all depends on that person's individual needs and if they want to be in a better mood, right? If somebody wants to be in a bad mood, be pouty, like they will, right? But if they have, if they want to, you know, have a good time, you know, they'll, they'll more likely be able to. Yeah. And I've read from a lot of, or I've read a lot of places about these outstanding hospitality specialists who, you know, they talk about uh, getting staff to assess a table, you know, it's like check in on that table. Where do you feel they are on a scale of one to 10 for enjoyment? And, you know, if they're a seven, what do we need to do to get them up a notch? You know, I think front of the house can do so much to recover um, a situation in that respect. Yeah. And, and a lot of times too, it's just a manager going and touching a table, just going and saying, how are you doing? M making them feel like they're the most important guest in the restaurant. Cause a lot of times too, you know, the, 
a lot of times when you go out to eat, your only interaction is with the server, maybe the food runner, a busser, like saying hi there, little, little interaction. But, you know, when a manager has that ability to come in and actually care how the evening is going, I think that, that it elevates the experience um, just that much. So how long are you planning on continuing this endeavor? Is this something you hope continues? I mean, I know it's very much relating to COVID-19 right now, but is this long-term something you want to keep telling the stories of these chefs and their dishes? Yeah, definitely. So it we're, we're a month in and it's been just very encouraging from the feedback that I've received from chefs, just saying thank you for letting me be able to like tell my story, show, promote my work. And it, it's just a little bit, it's positive reinforcement to help me keep doing what I'm doing. So the, the COVID was more of less the, the, the springboard, the catapult into starting it, and especially the cookbook aspect of it. You know, being able to use those proceeds to hopefully help the restaurants and the employees within the, within the industry. And so I'm hoping to obviously keep on telling the story of the chef, but once I'm finished with the Denver community cookbook, I hope then to you know, branch out to other cities as I get more inquiries and kind of judge to see maybe what chefs would be more willing to participate than others or really use my network in Chicago to, to, to make a cookbook there. Cause it's been, it's been hard in Denver to, to reach out to chefs because I'm a complete unknown. You know, nobody knows me. Uh, I have no, no network here within, within the industry. So it's when I'm reaching out, they're like, who the hell is this guy? You know, like why, why would I want to give my recipe or give my background story to, to the, this person? So it's been very, very challenging in, in Denver, but I've been getting um, more high profile chefs more by the day. And especially in the Denver community, which is refreshing in a way it's, it's very tight knit. So it seems the chefs really want to help each other out. Um, I would say in Chicago, it's a little bit more cutthroat than it is in Denver, which is, it's a breath of fresh air, especially being out of the industry for, for a couple of years. And one of the questions I have for you is about your Instagram. You know, we talk a lot about marketing on this podcast and especially through internet marketing and social media. And I'm kind of stunned. You, I, I checked before we came on here, you have like 1300 followers and your first post was, I think like April 6th. And I want to know like what the secret sauce was there because that's hard. Like there's some pretty well-known chefs who I feel like haven't even gotten there and they've been doing their Instagram. I mean, everyone will tell you they start their Instagram and it's like three years to get those kind of numbers. And how did you pull that off in a month? Was there anyone who was really supportive who shared your stuff or was it because you already had pre-existing connections with people and they knew you from, you know, your personal Facebook or your personal Instagram or something? Yeah, so I've actually, I haven't, promoted it yet personally to my network. I've kind of just been working underneath the radar, just trying to see if I can just do this on my own without using my network. So what's kind of really been working with me is, you know, I'm dependent on chefs being able and willing to, to share their story. So when, when I, when I post their work, generally they, they tend to share, share, share what I've, I've promoted on my, on my site and on my Instagram and I've just been, I would follow some of the chefs in their network. And once people kind of see, oh, I know, I'm, I'm trying to bridge the gap 
in a way of using what we have mutually to, for them to kind of follow me, if, if you follow what I'm saying. So they'll post their work. I'll, I'll generally just type in chef underneath what their, their followers are, and then try to follow some of their people. And if they follow me back, great. If not, you know, it's, it's, it's no hard feelings. Right. But that's been the the greatest way to that that's kind of launched my, or how I've been able to get the most amount of followers in the shortest amount of time. It's kind of just bridging that gap using what the mutual interests that we have and getting them in there or and transferring them over. Facebook's been a little bit harder um, than Instagram. I think I'm out about like 200 or so, but I, I don't really promote too much on, in, on uh, Facebook. It's mostly just cross like sharing what I post on Instagram and I've started to reach out to some groups like with chef groups um, within Facebook and just been like, you know, talk to the admin and say, Hey, you know, do you mind if I post about my site? You know, I'm just here to promote what chefs are doing, what kind of work and try to just try to tell their story. So that's, that's I'm starting to see some traction, but it's hard as a one man show to, you know, as you know, you know, write up the content, get, get people to sign up and, and also like doing podcasts on the side, you know? So it's, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's, um, like I kind of said before, getting that positive reinforcement where a lot of chefs will be really thankful or some chefs who haven't even participated just say, Hey, I appreciate you telling the everyday chef like story and promoting, promoting our work within the industry. And so it's helped, it's helped me keep, um, like my eyes on the ball a little bit. It's a very similar approach with me and Shows Without Restaurants. You know, when I started, I was putting almost like exclusively my own content on a different platform. And then I thought, this is really easy. Just go hashtag, you know, private chef, hashtag caterer and find these people, people doing really cool stuff. Just ask them if I can share it, share their stuff. And then they share, you know, in their Instagram story that I shared their work. And then you get some followers, but you still, I think, have scaled really quickly uh, compared to how long you've been going. I, I think that's fantastic. I've got, Thank a, you. I've, got, I've got a chef group, Chefs Without Restaurants is also a group on Facebook. We have a, an active group of people. So, you know, feel free to drop in there. And when this goes live, I'll be putting it all out. But yeah, I know what you mean. Today's a podcast release day for me. So first thing this morning, you know, I'm putting the finishing touches. I got to publish the podcast and then you go into full on marketing mode, you know, go into Canva, create some. Uh, artwork for it go on instagram make sure you you know do the copywriting then tag everyone and it takes a lot of work i mean it was like three hours just to publish the the podcast and and get it out there for promotion yeah and it's been especially like for me starting out i've never done podcast or editing within software so just kind of jumping into things like my first podcast took me probably about like eight hours of just <laughs> editing, getting used to hearing yourself speak. Cause it's just, it's just awkward just listening to yourself talk and it's, it gets easier. Or I guess, you know, as you're, you're in it for, for a while, it, it gets easier to know the addings and just be, I guess, be okay with what you have. Um, but also just making, you know, the best and the most quality uh, content that you can for your listeners. And so, yeah, it's it's um it's tough, but I guess you know you, the the rewarding factor just what kind of keeps you going. So what's what are you really focusing on now? Are you spending more time reaching out to people? Are people reaching out to you? Like when you 
look at your workflow for this project. What does that look like? Is it just DMing people saying, hey, I've got this thing. Do you want to be on the podcast and submit a recipe? Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of both. Um, like some weeks are better than others. Like the, my first week, it was strictly me just going into the DMs and saying, you know, just explaining what I'm doing, what kind of work. And if they're interested, you know, just reach out. You know, I have a, I have a form that people will fill out. And right now I, I have a friend who's helping me with content, uh, writing up the blog posts and the Instagram, which has kind of helped me concentrate more on the marketing aspect and getting people down for podcasts. But, you know, my second week I had probably about, what was it? About eight people that filled in forms, you know, about five of those people I didn't even talk to. And so I'm like, Oh great. I have something going. But then the next week, you know, I had three forms. So it's, it comes and goes, it comes in waves. And, you know, I'm not at the point right now where I can't just completely not DM people. Um, but it's, it's getting easier as you grow your audience, you know, it kind of, it flows a little bit more organically. So it's a, it's a mixture, it's a mixture of both. And right now I'm about a week out. So I, I used to post seven days, like, even though it's, it's very early, I was posting every, every day, seven days a week, but now I cut down to five, just kind of Monday through Friday, or if I miss a day, maybe on the weekends. And I'm about a week ahead. So I have about like a week's worth of content right now of blog posts, which, which helps, helps get things a little bit easier. But once, when forms aren't coming in, then you start to get a little bit worried. And, um, you know, it, it, that's when I'll do a little bit more direct uh, outreach. We were kind of doing one recording session on Monday and we usually do one. Sometimes we get two, very rarely we do three and we were releasing once a week. And then when COVID started, um, I was like, wow, I can do more of these from home. And I was sometimes recording like five episodes in a week. I'm like, now we can go two episodes, like two releases a week. But it's like, do I want to get overzealous there? Like, I don't know how fast I'm going to go through all my connections. And is that going to drop off? And then I'm going to have to cut it back. So how much should I have in the can versus how quickly do I get them out? I mean, right now I'm talking to people a lot about how their businesses um, are impacted with COVID. So I want it to be relevant and I want to get them out now, you know, especially if they're struggling and they've got a food truck and they're still open. I want them to tell the story of, hey, we're still open. Here's where you can find us. Here's how you can help. So I'm just trying to crank those out as fast as I can. Is this a, um, is this something you could monetize? I mean, have you thought about that? Like, is this just a passion project because you love doing it? You want people to tell their stories or, you know, what's the, the long-term plan if there is one and if there's not, you know, I get that. But, you know, in the back of my mind, it's always kind of like, okay, is this something that could become like a stream of income? Could this ever potentially even become a full-time job? Like, where are you on that? Yeah. So yeah, right now it's, it's definitely not my my bread and butter is not paying the bills by, by, by any means. And so the, the cookbook behind it, it's, it's generally just a, you know, just, just a love, like a passion project for the cookbook aspect of it. That's why all the proceeds are, are going to restaurants. Um, I'm, I'm incurring some expenses of just getting kind of the logo design and artwork. I'm trying to reach out to now that the Denver community, I'm trying to just keep it as local as I can reach out to partners who are willing to help try to minimize the expenses so I can give more back. And as far as other aspects of it, you know, I've been, I've been thinking of other ways to hopefully be able to, to monetize it a little bit. 
uh, either through apparel or, you know, affiliate program links. But I never want to be, you know, that person that's just constantly spamming and, and it's not, not a money driven aspect of it. Uh, eventually I would want to do, you know, looking, looking ahead, you know, once restaurants and the culinary industry as a whole is kind of back up running hundred percent, I would love to start doing like a YouTube series. So either just getting maybe like a, a film crew, a student film crew and, and doing more of a, a film series within their restaurant and going a little bit more in depth than what you really can in an article. So those are kind of the, the different ways I'm potentially in the future, hopefully, you know, looking to, to monetize a little bit, but as of right now, it's just, you know, just concentrating on, you know, getting, creating a fo- following, building the audience. And then, you know, the, the cookbook is, is the, the main focus, just trying to get that out as, as soon as I can, but the best that I can, so I can really help the people that it's affecting the most within like the time that they need it. Right. Because they, they're not going to need it next year, you know, not knock on wood when COVID is, you know, no longer a thing, you know, they need, they need the support now. Yeah. I mean, I have tons of colleagues and everyone's saying, you know, they've been unemployed for six weeks and haven't even received their first unemployment paycheck right now. And some people are fortunate and have a little money banked. A lot of people don't, and they really need that money. So how fast can you get that, that to them is definitely a big concern. Yeah. And it's, and it's changed too. Initially I, I was trying to just do the proceeds to James Beard award or like some nonprofits, but just seeing how slow the, you know, the, the government has been to putting the, the loans and the grants into like the actually small business hands, not the, the big conglomerates that are, are getting it. So that, that's why I've, I've shifted the focus from more of the nonprofits to actually delivering those funds to directly to the restaurants that are participating. So, cause I think that will probably be the best and most effective way to actually make a change and, and be helpful. Yeah. And as far as covering costs, um, something I recently did was I just set up a Venmo and a PayPal for the Chefs Without Restaurants organization and podcast and no pressure, no guilt trip. You know, I've built this community and it's been a long thing for me, you know, over three years and just put it out there and said, Hey, listen, I'm super grateful for anything anyone wants to throw our way. If you want to donate a little money to help offset the cost, you know, I'm spending upwards of about $40 a month when you look at like Buzzsprout and, um, you know, off on it and all the things we do to make it sound good. And we bought some mics and stuff. It's like, if you just want to, you know, throw in a dollar or $5 and people have been really generous. And then we haven't had to do a Patreon where someone's getting a cut out of it and just having those links on there saying like, if you really like what we do, here's a little place you can give us some money. And that's really worked for us. And it's just helped to offset the cost of running the day to day of the podcast. I mean, I'm not able to quit my job and do this full time yet, yeah. but you know, it's nice. Yeah. And I, I really love the way that you, you put the message out there for that. Cause it, it's not in, in your face, like, Hey, you know, <laughs> look at all the things that I've done for you. You know, why don't, you know, it's, it's a very, um, you know, it, we have to support each other more than ever. And so it's, I believe, you know, tough situations and we'll bring the best out of people or we'll show the true light of people as I should say. So yeah, I, I that's a great, great Avenue. And I, I really love the message that, um, and how you how you portray that i've just found people to be so great during these times especially people in my own food community as it relates to whatever you need you know 
I had a friend come over one day on his way to work and just dropped a 12 pack of toilet paper on my doorstep, you know, and put it in a trash bag in case it rained or something. Um, people saying that like, Hey, who needs flour? I've got some, you know, hopefully that kind of thing we'll continue doing, like really helping the people in our community and our friends and sharing things and helping them all get by. I really hope that that's something that we see continue when all this kind of slows down a little bit. Yeah. And, and just going back to, you know, different ways to show how you appreciate or love, you know, people like giving those, giving those actions speak louder than words will ever do. Even if it just a, a, a pack of toilet paper, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't cost a lot of money, I, you know, but it's the gesture that is worth more that, than anything. So what else do you want our listeners to know about your organization, your projects, or any upcoming things that you've got going on? Well, yeah, I just, um, you know, would love to, I know your organization is more for like personal, personal chefs and, and catering businesses. You know, I, I love and support you guys too. I still, I've spoken to, to people in the, in those industry. My, actually my first podcast was, is a friend of mine who transitioned from the restaurant industry into his own personal chef and catering business. So the first podcast was all about, you know, how, how to do that. Cause I'm sure a lot of chefs or, you know, people want to get started, but just don't know exactly how. So, you know, they, they you can follow me. I still want to hear, you know, your stories and how, you know, how you're into this business and, yeah, just, just, um, you know, keep up to date and, you know, any support that you could give, I, I would love it. And, you know, nothing it's, I'm, it's all kind of learn as you go on, on a basis. So it's, I'm, as I'm going, I'm seeing what works, what doesn't work. I'm, I'm constantly formulating, especially in, in the infant stage that it is, I'm always redrawing in different ways. So love some feedback on what you'd want to hear or how things are going good and bad. You know, that's, that's how we learn is through the bad. So um, yeah, if you could give a follow to story in the past, that'd be great. And just let me know what you think. We put together a pretty comprehensive show notes. So I'll link you up in there and, and make sure everyone knows where to find you and how to connect. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. um, Yeah. That's, that's great. And Oh, that, that's awesome, man. I, I really appreciate it. It's been, it's kind of weird being on the op- opposite end of a, a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's fun. Like I do the same thing. I go on a lot of podcasts. Actually, I think, well, I went on a lot of podcasts before I started this. I mean, we just started this in November. So mm-hmm. I had a little practice. It's kind of fun being on the other end of that. Yeah, so I really? like to, I like to kind of end my show with some kind of rapid fire question. So we're going to have a little fun here for a couple minutes. You know, the first question I've been asking everyone right now is since most of us are in self quarantine, were there any ingredients that you went to make sure you had at the store or something you stocked up on, or maybe wished you had like knowing you're going to be home and not going to the store that often, what was important for you to go pick up? I love fried garlic. So there's a, there's a big Vietnamese community here in Denver. And so there's a lot of Asian grocery stores and you can make your own fried garlic too, but sometimes it's just easier to get, you know, just a jar of, you know, fresh fried garlic. So I love, I love garlic and the fried garlic, especially just brings a whole other aspect to the crunchiness and can really just put, you know, a plain dish when you're feeling lazy into something a little bit, a little bit better. Uh, Do you have any favorite culinary resources, whether it be books, websites, anything, anyone you're following on Instagram, like where do you find inspiration in, in the culinary world? Yeah. So as far as when I'm experimenting, I love, 
the flavor Bible, the huge, you know, huge, well-known book. It's just, it's just fun to kind of say like, Oh, you know, I, I want to make a chicken dish, what different ways and how can I manipulate it or different ingredients to, to create it. Um, uh, one cookbook that I've me and my friend have been using or before COVID and everything happened was the night market. Uh, that's an LA uh, Thai a restaurant they have their own cookbook amazing that's where i really kind of fell in love with the fried fried garlic uh aspect of it so and and just just in general i like to you know i'm i'm greek so i've grown up with greek cuisine like knowing how to make it and it's just fun to change things up a little bit and broaden the horizon i gotta get uh karen and andrew on the show flavor bible we have 36, this is going to be episode 37 of the show. And I would say at least 75% of the guests say that that's their favorite book or culinary resource. I'm a huge fan of theirs. Yeah. For me too, especially going into different kitchens. I, that's one of the books you commonly always see either, you know, the chefs that cook within their, like their home or even in restaurants too, because it's just, it, it opens everything up and you can kind of see what works, what doesn't, or how do you make a dish complete? Yeah. So is there anything you want to be remembered for either personally, professionally? I know that's not a quick fire, but that's kind of always our last question. Like thinking about what your legacy is going to be. Oh, that's, that's tough. Um, it's kind of a nasty one to throw at the end there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause what, one of the things I, you know, it makes me uncomfortable is talking like about myself and especially to like talk, speaking of speaking of legacy. So I just hope, uh, you know, the, this first cookbook will, you know, be a success. Like I hope people see the true light of what it means to be a chef and what the the backstory is of the chef or the people, you know, that create the food or create those dining experiences that can make your day or turn around your day. And so it would just be to me, you know, it, it's never really a, like, I didn't really get into story of the past to, to, promote myself like it's it's all about just kind of creating that community and i just hope that what i can do can bring the industry a little bit closer together and and hopefully too with with the cookbook proceeds that it can it can give back to to the restaurant community and um you know i i don't know how to make a cookbook you know i don't know like how to make a podcast and you know, that's, so I'm just learning it as I go too. So, you know, hopefully some people might take some inspiration to say like, you know, why not, why can't I do it? You know, it's, it's one of those things where you don't know what you can do unless you get started, unless you take that first step into, into doing it. So if, if people can find some inspiration into making this world a better place, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, there's no barriers anymore, right? The same with my podcast. I mean, some of the early podcasts that I recorded just don't sound great. They don't sound how I want them to sound. And you're like, well, you know, you got to start somewhere. Everyone, you know, musicians have those very deep old first albums that like nobody ever heard. Same thing. Just first step is you got to get out there and do it. Yeah. And especially too, there's unlimited amount of resources that are free to, you know, that are all within our fingertips, you know, looking on YouTube, what things to do, best practices, best tips. And especially for podcasts too, it's very, it's, it's a low, 
low entry level to, to get in, you know, you pay the hosting site, you know, maybe the, the microphone. And so that's a, that's a bigger expense right when you first get started, but you, you can find your voice. And if you know how to market, like, you know, SEO, get found on Google, something that I'm, I'm learning on how to do right now. Um, you know, you, you, you can, you can do anything. Yeah. It's really weird. I use, um, I don't know if you've been on the chartable website where you can kind of track where you are on like iTunes charts. Like we're currently the number four food podcast in Nigeria. Like I have, I've never had a guest from Nigeria. We don't talk about Nigerian cooking. Like maybe there's just not a lot of people in Nigeria looking, listening to cooking shows. But you know, if you had like three people in the country listening to it, like maybe that's enough to put you in the top you know, top 10. I don't know. It's just weird how that stuff works out. Yeah. And, and it's some of those circumstances that you don't foresee happening. You know, when I, when I first started, you know, story on the past two, just meeting, you know, I thought I'd meet some cool people, but it's, you know, I've met so many people from around the world and what we have in common is the love for food. And so it's, it's very like refreshing to see that, you know, we're, you know, take the lines out of this, out of the sand or, you know, the, the, the country boundaries, you know, we're all just humans living in this world and we're all generally the same, you know, as far as like my travels really have kind of brought it out to the forefront. It's, you know, we all have that basic need of, you know, the, the food shelter and especially when, as you get older, just making the situation for your, your kids better than what you, you had in a way. So it's, it's very, we have a lot more in common than, than we like to think. And w- one of those things that I didn't really foresee, foresee happening, um, now it's talking about it, it se- seems like it would be obvious, is just drawing all those commonalities and getting to know and branch off and meet people that you would never meet in your everyday life. It's great. And I love the project. I'm so excited to share this with people. So hopefully you'll get a big bump in followers and uh, you know maybe find some new guests that way. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I, I can't wait to have you on as well and, and promote all the good work that you're doing. You know, you've really um, created created a great community within, you know, the, the niche of like the, the personal chef and catering business, but, but much more than that too. And uh, I can't wait to have you on as well and promote your work and the great things that we're doing. Because like we were saying before, now more than ever, you know, we need to support ourselves, get the name out and, you know, who knows what resources or things that people or people that we say, or the people that we have on our podcast will say that might spark an idea or, and help that, that person in their everyday life. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it to all of our listeners. As always, this was the chefs without restaurants podcast, and you can find us at chefs without restaurants.com and.org and on all social media platforms. If you search for chefs without restaurants. Thanks and have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show or sponsoring a show, please let us know. We can be reached at chefswithoutrestaurants at gmail.com. Thanks so much.